With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 12 Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football, recruiting, and sleazy, sleazy gambling advice. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio. You can follow the podcast for free on iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, any podcast catcher. We are there, and you can follow the podcast for free on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. We are on part 60. I'm uncertain, but we are cranking through basically every single Pac-12 team, position by position, team by team, and uh, feel free to subscribe to the podcast to dig all of our other podcasts i am joined uh, we're talking washington state here first by rob Bowron. what's going on rob oh, i am excited to talk about the kooks tonight right on and a patient michael preston the the, the guy that heads up the kook <laughs> center thank you for bearing with us we've had some connection problems um really an excellent website what you're doing over there uh, michael and i know you're kicking up your podcast uh, the kook center hour coming up soon how are you man I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, you think the telephone's been a technology for 150 years and be perfected by now, but apparently it is not. Uh, no, we're good. We're going to start the podcast again. Uh, August 13th, 14th, it should be out. We're just getting interviews lined up and all that good jazz and uh, all the way up to the season. So we're going to preview volleyball and soccer as well, but uh, as usual, football, even in a down year, is going to be our main driver. No, absolutely, and I think we might be in agreement here. I'm always a huge Washington State fan. I'm a little down on the team this year, and we're going to get into it position by position here. Let's just start, Rob. So, uh, Michael, Rob Bowron runs a college football advanced statistic model, and um, we've kind of run the numbers on every team. Can you, Rob, just kind of go through briefly what uh, the numbers spit out for Washington State last year? Because I think it's going to be a whole bit different than it is in 2018. (laughs) Yeah, well, the Washington State team last year was a bit different than I think a lot of people that don't follow Pac-12 football would have expected for a Mike Bleach team. Uh, Their offense graded out at 79th nationally, um, and they were more of an explosive offense, um, so they ranked 41st in in explosive drives, uh, but they, they really hurt themselves with drive efficiency, so they weren't able to put together a lot of long drives, um, and they... You could you could see that very often last year uh, with this team. They could they could often not find the end zone if they didn't have a big play. Um, they were 128th on effective rush uh, and graded out at 18th in pass. So even though the offense overall wasn't great, uh, they were still a very good passing offense. But uh, running the ball was not um, their forte last year. Uh, they didn't go three and out a ton. Um, they they ranked out 59th in the uh, negative drives. Um, but last year, the team was mostly carried by the defense um, under uh, now gone coordinator Alex Grinch, who was a, was a bit of a revelation up in Pullman. Uh, they graded out 30th in the country. Um, they were excellent at drive efficiency, so they did not give up a lot of dra- long drives. They ranked 21st in that, uh, and they were still pretty good at, expl- at explosive plays, ranking 42nd. So it was a team that had a lot of discipline. Um, they were a lighter, faster defense uh, than a lot of defenses in the Pac-12, even by the standards of as, as teams have sort of uh, trimmed down to uh to combat the spread um they were better against the pass actually um part of that is a very effective uh pass rush uh and good coverage Uh, but so they ranked out 12th against the path 66th against the run 
that sound about right, Michael? A kind of an inefficient offense, a nasty secondary, a good pass rush, and, and a surprisingly good defense? I mean, yeah, I, I think the defense surprised um, all of us last year. I mean, I think we expected it to be pretty good. They were getting a lot of their really key players back. They were pretty thin up front, and luckily they were able to avoid the injury bug for the entire year. But that was, you know, that was, I think it was the biggest part, having Hercules Mata off up there and healthy, having David Equale up there and completely healthy. I, I think they rushed the ball maybe a little bit better than that. It could just be anecdotal on my part. I know Jamal Morrow is going to be sorely missed in the backfield, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Luke Falk's run checks weren't as good as they were the year prior. And you also had Tyler Holinsky coming in and playing for him at times as well. So it was a bit of going back and forth on who the quarterback was for Mike Leach at times. But I mean, it's a pretty good summation of the team. It, the offense really did sputter quite a bit last year by comparison to the year before. And the way they won last year was really with their defense, which is kind of a weird thing to say for a Mike Leach coach team. Well, I think normally with a Washington State team, we would start with a quarterback, but the defection, I wouldn't even say defection. I think that Mike Leach put together a legit coaching staff that got picked off uh, by basically every major yeah. school in the country. Uh, how is Washington State coping with that? You have a new defensive coordinator. You have a ton of new position uh, coaches, and I know that it can be difficult sometimes for players to get you know reoriented with what the new system is and, and all of that. I think it's kind of wait and see, really, because you know they've gone through spring practice they're in the middle of fall practice right now you have tracy clays who's come in after being the defensive coordinator and head coach at minnesota this is a bit of a reputation reclaimer project for Mm -hmm. him he needs to show he can still coach defenses and that he can do it at a place like washington state i don't know if you know he's going to be a guy who stays permanently in pullman it would be my expectation that he is not but you have all the you have a brand new running back coach, you have a brand new offensive line coach, you have a brand new defensive line coach, you have a brand new linebackers coach, you have a brand new secondary coach, and you have a brand new outside linebackers coach. So you literally have, I, I think there is, I, there's Ken Wilson. No, I'm sorry. There's not a brand new linebackers coach because Ken Wilson is the one coach who basically stayed uh, from the year prior. So, <laughs> and a brand new special teams coordinator. So there's a lot of moving parts right now with Washington state. And it's just kind of with that many new coaches and a head coach who was flirting a bit with Tennessee in the offseason. It's kind of all wait and see at this point to see where they're going to be uh, when the season starts. And that's really when you're going to find out uh, whether the new coaches have meshed quickly enough or not. I would have loved to see Mike Leach in Knoxville, just just from a cultural standpoint, not even from the X's and O's. Just how does he survive in a place like that? I think it would have been really fun to see. Uh, and a lot of hilarity would have ensued, which it already has down or uh, up in Pullman. Let, let's start with the quarterback. It's a big open question. I think the first thing we should mention, obviously, is the uh, the tragedy of uh, Holinsky and, and what that did on the team. I know uh, it, a lot has been written about it, but I mean, depression is real and it is a problem. And um, so we don't want to skip over that. Uh, but this particular podcast, we are talking about X's and O's, um, and, and that means that there's an open, uh, basically an open competition with a lot of unproven yeah. guys for the quarterback spot. And it seems like nobody knows who has the leg up. I think you would know more than anybody else what's going on there in that competition. Oh, I have no idea. No, it's, <laughs> there's, there's literally no one with any idea. I don't even think Mike Leach uh, knows at this point. It's uh, They said before the season – Four guys had a shot, which surprised me. I don't think freshman Cameron Cooper has a chance. He was a four-star recruit, very highly touted out of Lehigh, Utah. But him saying he has a chance back there, I thought, was a bit of a 
a bit of a ruse on his part. And it turns out it has been. He hasn't taken a lot of snaps with the first team in fall camp. But what you have is basically a three-horse race between Gardner Minshew, the transfer from East Carolina, Trey Tinsley and Anthony Gordon, who both have multiple years in this system, but none of them were expecting to be in the you know in consideration for starting quarterback prior to the passing of Tyler Holinsky. So now you have a brand new competition where each of these guys has kind of something going for him. Gardner Minshew has the game experience that Trey Tinsley and Anthony Gordon don't. Trey Tinsley has the legs that Anthony Gordon doesn't, and Anthony Gordon has the arm that Trey Tinsley doesn't. (laughs) So it's really kind of three guys all with an advantage in some way over the other one, and it's pretty much whoever separates themselves at camp, but pretty much we're about a week into it at this point, and every report we've seen out of camp is, nobody's really separating themselves. They're all doing really well, so it's going to be very hard. Mike Leach wants to get it down to two, and then he wants to get it down to one about a week and a half before the opener against Wyoming. And I, at this point, I really have no idea how they're going to do that because I, we have not really heard anything about one guy separating himself from the other two. Is it in the Mike Leach offense, uh, because what didn't jump out of any of those three was accuracy? Um, mm-hmm. Is is that I mean when I when I when you see the numbers that air raid QBs normally put up the it's the completion rate that sort of often stands not I mean beyond just right. the yards but it's a very high completion rate um, you know sort of you know I'm going to throw the ball a lot and I have to make up for having I mean I can't have too many incompletions um, so of those I mean and Gordon has had a good couple days uh, in what I've been following uh, on, on the camp reports mm-hmm. is it. Is is does anybody stand out so far? I mean, not, nobody talks a lot about act. I mean, on all of those, they nobody talks a lot about their accuracy. And, and Minshew, who probably has the most stats on him, isn't wasn't fantastically mm-hmm. accurate. Is there anybody that no. sort of stood out for being more accurate? I think everything I've been reading too is pretty much that these guys are just kind of completing, you know, most of their passes. Um, okay. Tinsley maybe a little less than the other two, but it seems like. These guys are all kind of completing in, in skeleton drills and in 11 on 11, they're completing a lot of passes. And really, what isn't being completed are things that are being dropped by the receivers. And, you know, again, uh, you know, how much of that is just fall camp and the fact that, you know, this is not game speed. The pressure is not really there to throw the football like it would be in a game, you know, where a sack is just a guy touching you on the yeah. jersey. So I think it's, you know, I take it all with you. Obviously, I'm going to take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt when it comes to fall camp. But right now it looks like Gordon and Minshew are the more accurate ones. Tinsley maybe just a little bit further behind them. But you're right that that's something that's valued over anything else in the air raid because the air raid, you don't need to necessarily have a cannon for an arm to be successful in it. You don't need to necessarily be able to 60 yards downfield. You do It is useful to have when four verts are called, and we all love when four verts are called because it's four (laughs) vertical routes, and it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, but I, I think that in terms of accuracy and separating themselves from, you know, anybody in the competition, it's Minshew and it's probably Gordon. But again, you know, these guys all have things up on the other one that I I have no idea how a decision is going to be made. It, it is, 
I don't envy being Mike Leach in this situation, we'll put it that way. <laughs> well, that's fair enough, and it's the most important position on the team, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that as, go- as it goes along, but as a, I think mm-hmm. most teams have been there where you just don't know until really things start to sift through, and uh, so we'll just keep an eye on that. Going to the running back here, you know, at least Washington State tried last year, and actually Jamal Morrow had a, a fairly efficient time running the ball. Uh, that said, mm-hmm. Washington State was 128th in effective rush, which isn't super surprising but they at least try to keep uh players and teams on their toes uh the the Cougs lose Jamal Morrow and uh Gerard Wicks who were two of the three guys that were kind of in that uh three-headed monster I'm not certain James Williams is the guy but I didn't watch as much of the running game with Washington State as you did but it just seems like just statistically he's probably just a guy is there anybody that's going to jump him on the depth chart that's going to get more carries or is is he going to be the guy that's going to be asked to carry you know the majority of the load I'm sure they'll throw in a ton of running backs there I mean my assumption would be he's going to share the load with uh, Keith Harrington who's coming off kind of a, a I guess we could call it a redshirt year. It wasn't technically a redshirt year, but where he was really playing a lot of special teams. He got in the game at the end of some blowouts, but he was a very good running back for this team as freshman and sophomore year, but he had a case of the fumbles and he couldn't hold on to the football. So while he was a very dynamic running back, the problem is you can't be that dynamic if you don't have the football with you. So I don't think he's going to jump James Williams. The best chance, honestly, is the true freshman is Max Borgie. He, is just a studly athlete, five about five foot ten, I think two hundred and fifteen pounds, but he moves like a guy who weighs about thirty pounds less than that. We saw some of him in the spring game. He looks very dynamic in the backfield. And I think Mike Leach likes to rotate his running backs. He doesn't like to have, you know, just one guy be the go to guy. Williams is certainly, I think, probably the better running back, but Max Borgie might be better at catching out of the backfield, which as we know with the air raid the running back position gets a lot of touches in the passing game. And he can, Mike Leach considers some of those shorter swing passes and some of those very short, you know, over the middle passes, little button hook through the line for the running back. He considers those, he considers those runs. So it'll be interesting to see really who gets the majority of the touches, but I, I think it'll be Williams who gets most of the touches. Borgie's not going to be too far behind him though. I think they really like what they have in Max Borgie, especially coming out of the backfield on passes. Well, that's I mean, and that's encouraging because as <laughs> you do have to be able to at least make the defense think you're going to run every once in a right. while. Even though, like my my favorite thing that I've learned about the Mike Leach offense is that he always calls passing plays, and it's t- it's a check down mm-hmm. to, to the to a run every time. Um, yep. But I think this year in particular, one of the things that could be different from last year is I think last year, you know, if you look at how Luke Falk performed um, year over year, I think he really missed Marks and Craycraft. Uh, and I yeah. think there's a lot of mm-hmm. excitement in Pullman right now. Uh, and a lot and two guys I've been reading about in particular in the wide receiver core that I think could really help um, make the offense hum uh, like you expect in Mike Leach offense too are Tay Martin. Um, and a little under the radar player that I think has, has been showing up in a lot of the, the Washington state write-ups from camp I've been reading about is, uh, Aesop Winston, um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a Juco transfer. Um, do you think that the wide receiver core can really help get the offense and that passing game back to where they were? Because I, I don't think it was all on Falk last year. 
I think, yeah, you're right. I don't think it was all on him completely. He certainly missed. Gabe Marks is probably going to be up there among the best receivers in Washington State history, even though he's drafted. He wasn't drafted, but his, just how he played and his attitude and everything about him, I love that kid. He was an incredible football player. And you certainly saw, even after River Craycraft got hurt, his senior year, you saw how much of a security blanket he was for Luke Falk. Because if you just needed, if you needed third and six yards, River Craycraft ran seven yards and he would go get the football for you. And he was an incredible wide receiver. Missing the two of them last year didn't help. He wasn't on the same page really with Tavares Martin and Isaiah Johnson Mack. They're no longer with the team. Whether you want to believe they left of their own accord or whether Mike Leach kicked them off, it all depends on who you want to talk to. And I'll, you, you, you can know and decide who was going to say <laughs> what they did. Um, but I think Tay Martin is probably the most athletic wide receiver they have. He played basketball in high school. Probably had at least a chance to play basketball at you know maybe a smaller school coming out of high school, but certainly football uh, was the sport he was more talented at. Another guy to keep an eye on is Renard Bell. He had a very good freshman season inside. You're right. Esau Winston transferred in the season before, and he took a redshirt year, and all you hear about is ranting and raving about how he played in Thursday night football and about his practice reports that he's a kid who can really make an impact quickly. Calvin Jackson Jr., if you watched Last Chance U, he also is at Washington State this year. So I think Wazoo's very healthy at inside receiver. An outside receiver is where you're going to see them need to take some strides. But they have another kid with a great story. Roderick Fisher uh, played in Spokane, so he's a local kid. He's the 2A 100-meter and 200-meter state champion, so he's got speed. And he was a kid who was living on the streets before his football coach adopted him, and he got multiple offers, and he chose to stay local and go to Washington State. He's got speed, and that's the biggest thing. He's a very big vertical threat, and I'm kind of waiting for Washington State to have that because they didn't really have that last year in any of their receivers. I think that was also the other thing that was missing was Martin and Johnson Mack were not vertical threats. Tavares Martin ran something like a 4-6-40 at the combine, which is a linebacking speed. That is not a wide receiver speed. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how much they can kind of stretch the field for whoever the quarterback's going to be this year. But I, I think the wide receivers are in a little bit better shape than we might think. The only problem is they need to get on the same page with whoever their quarterback is pretty quickly. Moving from the wide receiving core to the offensive line, uh, Washington State finished seventh in the Pac-12 in tackles for a loss. Obviously, the run efficiency was way down there. Now, uh, a lot of that could be blamed on the scheme, too. But um, you're losing some big guys, including Cole Madison, who is kind of, I think they called him mm-hmm. the continent there. And then uh, Cody O'Connell was an all-first team uh, Pac-12 selection. They're gone, and you also lose a third starter in B.J. Samuelson, uh, Samuelson. What... I mean, the one thing that I've noticed is that Mike Leach has done a pretty decent job recruiting and hitting the recruiting trail on the offensive line, which you want to see mm-hmm. in your coach. But there's still some big questions. Is this offensive line going to take a step back from what it was last year? Because it wasn't what it should have been, I think, uh, in 2017. I mean, I think so. Probably you had Cody O'Connell playing at left guard right next to Frederick Maui Goa. And he was the freshman center. He was the one who was kind of having to learn on the fly a little bit and it showed because you know you depend on your center a lot to set the blocking and especially in Mike Leach's wide splits those guys play a long way apart so you're kind of out there on an island a lot so to speak a lot of the time and he was taking over for Riley Sorensen who graduated the year before and the lack of experience showed at times now they do get to keep Andre Dillard at left tackle so you're not losing 
your left tackle, your blind side for whoever the starting quarterback is going to be, and that's probably pretty important. Frederick Maui Goa is going to be back at center. We have a new guy in Josh Watson playing left guard. Robert Valencia is a junior college transfer. He's probably going to be the starter at right guard. And Abraham Lucas is going to be at right tackle. And if you haven't heard any of those names, if you're a Kook fan, other than maybe Robert Valencia, you're in good company because a lot of these, you know, it's (laughs) a lot of talent development at the offensive line. That's what Clay McGuire, who left for Texas Tech, was so good at doing for Washington State. So it kind of remains to be seen if – they can get better production out of their offensive line this year because that was a big problem for Luke Falk and for the running backs. I don't know that I would expect them, though, to be better. I think if they can just be as good as they were last year, then Mason Miller has done his job, the new offensive line coach. So we'll have to wait and see how he does and how they do, but it will be interesting to see uh, what he's able to do with them in his first year on the job. All right, so you have a big question mark at quarterback. You have a Mm -hmm. big question mark at running back, although it's never been a big part of the offense. Some questions at wide receiver and some questions on the offensive line. So it is, uh, it's going to be an interesting team moving into, uh, this coming year. If you were to, uh, play NCAA football 2018, what grade would you give this offense just knowing what you see in front of yourself right now? I mean, I think a C plus. I think there are good athletes on that side of the football. Certainly at wide receiver, there are very good athletes, but we just don't know enough about the offensive line. We certainly know probably even less about the quarterbacks at this point because we really haven't heard about any of these guys because even before Gardner Minshew transferred in, Tyler Holinsky was the heir apparent to Luke Falk. So there was just not really a question as to who the quarterback was going to be. So we don't know much about Trey Tinsley or Anthony Gordon. So I that is probably the biggest, biggest question mark for me right now is can Gardner Minshew put some space between himself, between Trey Tinsley and Anthony Gordon and himself? It'll be interesting to see if he can, because again, he's got the experience those two guys don't have. And if he's going to be the guy, that's great. But we need to kind of wait and see if he is going to be the guy. And boy, is that scary in the air raid to not know who your quarterback's going to be. No, we'll put it that way. Absolutely. We're talking Washington State football with Michael Preston at kookcenter.com. Uh, Michael, before we go into the defense, uh, where can people find you on Twitter and on iTunes and all that stuff? Well, we're on Twitter at RM underscore Preston. I'm also running the Coog Center Twitter feed now at Coog Center. Uh, SoundCloud's the easiest way to find us for the Coog Center Hour. You just search that on your iTunes as well. We're also on Stitcher. And we are also on, I think we're on Spotify now as well, too. I don't remember, though, exactly. Because, again, <laughs> we're starting the show up again next week, so I'll remember where, where all the podcasts can be found. Oh, also on Player FM. We're also on there. So uh, you can find that anywhere. And, again, new show comes out on uh, August 13th or 14th next week. Right on. So moving to the defense, which was just a pleasant surprise, and obviously uh, the departure mm-hmm. of uh, Alex Grinch. Uh, one of the things I mentioned, though, is uh, Tracy Clay's ran some decent defenses when he was at Minnesota. So it's not as if, you know, you're bringing in a scrub mm-hmm. and you're right. This is a, uh, this is a PR, uh, kind of re overhaul of, of his image. But with that said, he did, was able to produce over in the Big Ten, which is uh, quite impressive considering some of the teams that they would run against. Um, with that said, man, this, this defensive line is a project. Obviously you, you lose uh, Hercules Matafa, uh, but also, uh, Daniel, uh, Aquale and then, uh, Garrett McBroom too. So you're losing three big guys. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I would say what Hercules Mata one of the 
was he a, like a once in a decade player for, for Washington state? Like how, how he is probably, yeah, probably up there in terms of, you know, skill level with Ryan long and uh, guys like Leon Bender on, on the front line. It's just kind of hard to find a guy that dominant at that inside position as he was. And especially his size, he just didn't quite see that coming. I probably wouldn't put him up there with Ryan long and Leon Bender. Those guys were all Americans and Mata Hoffa was his final season, but, and he was also as a freshman, but kind of hard to get into that pantheon, but he's certainly on the podium in the last few decades with those two guys. Yeah, it was incredible really to watch him play. And at, like you mentioned at his size, the production that he was able to bring was just impressive. Now, not having him is going to be a problem. You do have one player that I really like on your, your defensive line, but after that, it's a big, uh, it's just a big bunch of dudes and we'll see who's able to step it up. Can you kind of walk through what we can look for in that defensive line? Well, I bet you that one guy you really like is Namdi Aguayo, correct? That's it. I'm glad that you pronounced it. <laughs> and he hasn't been in camp for four days. Oh, no. So we're all kind of wondering where the heck he is oh, no. uh, at this point. So uh, the things get a little thinner and even worse up oh. there and even more frightening. I mean, it's, look, I, when when we hear things like Tyler Comfort is leading the way to be the guy at tackle that is frightening. It is very, very scary because he's a former walk on. And I don't, you know, I don't mean to discourage anyone Taylor comfort, excuse me, but he's a walk on from a very small town in Washington. And the fact that he's in the lead to play defensive tackle is frightening. You're probably going to see a lot of Jonathan Lolo who they didn't necessarily want to play this year. He's a transfer uh, as well. And then man, beyond him and Aguayo who again, not in, not in, not in practice, which is so great. It's Derek Moore, uh, Logan Tago uh, still on the roster. Uh, Kingston Fernandez as well. So, and Nick Begg too. So uh, it's, it's just a lot of guys <laughs> what is that? I, I can't remember the Boston College coach's name, but it's a lot of guys being dudes up front. That's pretty much what you've got <laughs> for Jeff Phelps to deal with up there. And it's going to be a miracle if he can work them into something productive. But it's going to have to be the linebackers that really carry that defense this year. They did a good job last year, but they had the benefit of Daniel Aquali and Hercules Mata off up front, and they are not going to have that this year. And that is, to say, to say the least, uh, it is scary. So we're going to see. Uh, how good they can be and if they can if Jeff Phelps can turn them into something that's even kind of serviceable uh, you should probably be up for coach of the year in the Pac-12 I don't care that he's only a defensive line coach Rob feel free to <laughs> jump in after this but just just for listeners that aren't um, familiar with Aguayo so this is a guy that had four, uh, 34 tackles last year but seven tackles for a loss and eight quarterback hurries in limited time so I mean that's that's why people were excited about him so uh, when he's not on the board I mean I think the top tackler is like four. I think Nick Berg had four tackles. Oh, no, those four sacks in the spring yeah, game. I, like, there's nobody really on this squad that yeah. that played meaningful no. minutes last year. No, there. It's it's pretty much him, and that's and that's again that is that is the very scary thing because it is pretty much him on the defensive line, and the fact that he has not been in camp the last few days is uh, frightening to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned it. I think it's it's something that uh, it's important to note on a three, four style defense that very often your your three de- defensive linemen, their job is to eat up blocks. Now, that's not the case with Washington State last year. Those guys also got plenty of their own you know, lunch. But the, mm-hmm. when you look across these Washington State linebackers that you're bringing back, I mean, they are they are really the strength of the defense in a lot of ways. Yeah. 
and they have a lot of time. I mean, you don't just see, you know, in a bad defense, you'll see linebackers with a lot of tackles, but not a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Not a lot of QB heroes right. or sacks. These guys have a lot of impactful statistics, you know, between Peller mm-hmm. Woods, Rogers, um, and we're sort of projecting Logan Tago. I do think that when you look mm-hmm. across these, these guys, like, they're a little lighter. Uh, you expect them to be able to, to do some speed rush, but are if the defensive line can't effectively help shut down the run game like these guys, like they you were able to last year, are these guys big enough? Is there enough size to really plug the gaps uh, for interior runs? I mean, there might be. You're kind of leaning on maybe though with yeah. some of them. So it so it's kind of a. Kind of a big question. Peyton Pelour certainly is. He's six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. Justice Rogers has put on some weight. Jahad Woods has put on some weight as well. And I think really those are the best best athletes you're going to find uh, at linebacker for Washington State. Faave, Faave. I'm still looking forward to both saying his name and seeing him on the field. He was a good get for them out of Los Angeles a couple of years ago. He's a redshirt freshman. But Justice Rogers is a very interesting project. He used to play quarterback at Bellevue High School, which is kind of the powerhouse program in Washington and it'll be interesting to see how he continues that transformation into a linebacker because he was originally going to be a defensive back and then they found out he can put on some weight and he can be a linebacker but I think getting Peyton Pelour back that six year of eligibility is a really big thing for Washington State his dad played at Washington State he has a lot of family history there but just having somebody who's a leader back there who can direct the defensive line and who can be that guy with all that experience back there not having him back there would have been probably close to a disaster, but now having him there uh, helps things so incredibly much. I think the other thing, too, is, is Washington State has that nickel defensive back position with guys like Hunter Dale, Patrick Nunn, who's a freshman this year, but their size, you're looking at guys who are close to 200 pounds, if not over that, and that's kind of that guy who can rush. He can drop back into coverage, so it'll be interesting to see who wins that battle, but I would expect to see Patrick Nunn play some with Hunter Dale this year as well. You know, on the secondary, Tracy Clays had said at the beginning of spring that his biggest fear was the secondary, and I just don't see mm-hmm. how that's the case. I mean, like, you guys return enough on the corner and enough in the safeties where it seems like, and that was the strength of the defense anyway. Do you know why he mentioned that? Is it just to challenge the players, or does he have a legit concern about that secondary? Yeah, I think the problem he might be having is a cornerback. Darian Moulton didn't have the best junior season he could have. Marcus Strong played okay at times as well, but really cornerback is where you're seeing some of the, the lack of depth back there. Sean Harper Jr. is a transfer from, I believe it was Virginia, and he's still back there as well. I think he'll be one of the starting corners alongside Darian Moulton, but there were a lot of guys that got burned for quite a bit of yards last year, so it'll be interesting to see how he can mold them into this good unit, at least as far as the cornerbacks go. I I think you're right when it comes to safety, because I'm not worried about Jalen Thompson back there. He is excellent at what he does in the secondary. The kid can lay the wood. He is fast and he is good in coverage. I am not to say the least worried about him at all. Who lines up next to him at safety? Uh, Boy, boy, that's going to be an interesting (laughs) question to answer. Um, next year. So I'm a little worried about that. Uh, Robert Taylor was very good back there at the other safety position last year. So who fills in for Jalen Thompson or for Robert Taylor is going to be an interesting question to answer. But I think with Jalen Thompson back there, you kind of have a good leader and Washington state has been blessed recently to have some great leaders in the secondary more recently, Shalom Luwani 
and also uh, Dayon Buchanan, who's playing for the Arizona Cardinals right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think at quarterback, he's right. At safety, I think he might have been his concern might have been a little overblown as far as as far as he's concerned. Not that you know he's quoted wrong, but that he might have been a little more concerned than he needed to be. I don't have any follow-ups on that, actually. <laughs> right on. Well, uh, my, follow, my, my follow-up would be would be that Jalen Thompson can lay the wood, and we all like seeing him lay the wood. That's about, <laughs> that's about all I got. <laughs> well, I guess I mean you, Washington State has traditionally had. I mean, Buchanan was probably the best example of this. Is I mean, their safeties often come up pretty heavy in run support, you know, and so yep. Jalen Thompson is who we should expect to look out for for that this year. Yeah, I would expect so. And I think uh, Dayon kind of morphed into that hybrid nickel backer later on in his career, although he did play a lot more safety. Shalom Luani really played a lot of nickel back his final season uh, at Washington State because he was just so physical and so quick into the backfield. His coverage wasn't excellent as a safety, so I think the coaches were willing to let him play down closer to the line. I would expect Jalen Thompson will be in the backfield a little bit. He had five and a half tackles for a loss last year but he also had four interceptions. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, oh goodness. Excuse me. I got to sneeze right near my nose um, where he ends up and how much he ends up playing where he does. But I would at least expect to see him come up and play in some run support, especially in obvious rundowns. I would expect he will be a little closer to the line. Hey, Michael, two questions before we let you go, and they might be linked here. The first sure. is, um, I was listening to, I forget what podcast it was, but um, it was one of the national podcasts, and somebody had reported mm-hmm. that Mike Leach hadn't changed his signals for like eight years straight. Have you have you heard this? I mean, he very I, I haven't, but he very well may not have, because the dude just does what he does. <laughs> and I, I think my favorite thing ever that he, he got... Todd uh, Graham so mad at him uh, when he said, when he accused him of having a, a bunker where he stole signals. And it was just clearly like so outlandishly stupid what he was accusing him of doing. And Graham got so mad at him for doing it. But uh, Leach is just a guy. He's going to send the signal in. And if you can beat it, great. But I'm going to throw this at you. Because the unique thing about the air raid is generally there's going to be somebody open or there is some play available to you with whatever the defensive alignment is that you're going to be able to pick up some yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so okay. He just does what he does. You know, I, uh, one thing you'll, uh, the one thing I do know that you guys can, you know, you, everybody can look at when they see a WSU game is if they show him pointing to his head, it means think about. So he, what he's doing is after he's called the play, he's now giving the quarterback another play to think about if the defense comes out in a different formation. So he just doesn't feel the need to change anything and it's worked for him. The last, this is his seventh year at Washington state. And he's probably going to keep doing it the same reason why his play sheet sheets about the length of a receipt from a coffee shop. I mean, he, there's just not much on there and it's a simple offense from the standpoint of you can understand it pretty quickly. And that's all you don't need a play sheet, the size of a, you know, a dinner mat, like some offensive coordinators need. <laughs> well, the last question I had, well, well, the first is, um, what would you, what grade would you give Washington state if you were playing NCA on their defensive side? Oh, uh, I'm weirdly a little more comfortable with the defense this year because of the linebackers in the secondary. So I'll go B minus not much better. Uh, but you know, so we're run about a two, five GPA right now with them. But I, I would say a, a little bit, I feel again, weirdly a little bit more comfortable with the defense. That, my opinion will probably change about halfway through the opener, but I, I feel better about the linebackers in the secondary. So I would overall, I would say a B minus with the linebackers really contributing most to that grade. 
Yeah, that's a good linebacking core, and all eyes will be on that defensive line. The last question is, Leach, for some reason, cannot for the life of him, although he did last year, though, I'll take that back, but for the most part, cannot for the life of him get up for flat games or like or opponents that are below the talent yeah. level of Washington State. And on you the just, other side— Just say it. Just say it. FCS teams. FCS, <laughs> FCS teams. But, hey, 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 we beat the last two, so why don't you just—or uh, <laughs> the last one or whatever it was. <laughs> but but even when you flip it on the other side, when it comes to bowls, I always bet against Washington State. It doesn't matter who they're playing. I just will bet against yeah. Washington State. Why is that? What's the mm-hmm. deal with the – because they're two different <laughs> types of opponents. Uh, do you guys know? Because I'd, I'd love to know. No, I, I, mean, I, I legitimately do not know what it is about – you know, they beat Montana State last year, 31 to nothing, but they lost to Eastern and Portland State the years before that. I think they'd had some close games uh, with FCS teams before that as well. And the bowl games, I have got zero explanation for why they just don't show up in bowl games. Um, it's humiliating to a certain extent. Um, but, I mean, I just, it's, maybe it has to do with the fact that there's there's so much time in between the games and that he has a hard time getting his teams focused when there's a lot of time between games those FCS games they lost were openers the FCS game they played this year will be their third game of the season mm-hmm. uh and I, I just uh it's a grand mystery of the universe that it will take a mind like dearly departed Stephen Hawking to solve really and it's just it's going to involve like thermal dynamics i think or something to figure it out but I, I really have no explanation as to why so if you guys know write us fax us like literally smoke signal everything you can think of because we'd like to know too yeah well wazoo starts at wyoming and has eastern washington this year so uh keep uh, mm-hmm. keep all fingers crossed on your end um hey yay my whiskey bottle will be open <laughs> well thanks for your time michael i know you got a lot going on we appreciate uh what you're doing over there at kookcenter.com and look forward to listening to the podcast um just for our listeners by the way we are opening up our uh pack 12 eliminator pool check our website wildcatradioaz.com the rules are there there. You can sign up uh, for free. You pick one team. If they win, you move along. If they lose, you're out. And you can only pick one team once throughout the year. So a uh, very fun, a good way to stay engaged. And we'll begin uh, that very shortly. Uh, Rob, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate you coming on. Oh, always glad All to right. be here. All right. And we will uh, we will catch you guys next week.